This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Focus podcast. I'm your host G Sampat. President Xi Jinping will not be attending the G20 summit in Delhi. Instead, Premier Li Xiang will lead the Chinese delegation. This is the first time that she will be missing the G20 summit and what's more China has offered no explanation for why he won't be attending. So what is the significance of she skipping such a high profile international event that will also see the likes of US President Joe Biden attending? Is China trying to send some kind of a message to India by staying away from G20 isn't she missing an opportunity to be front and center of an important diplomatic forum we try and decode this chinese puzzle in this episode of in focus and we have with us anand krishnan the hindus china correspondent anand thank you so much for joining us good to have you back again thank you so much sampath good to be here so anand uh, at the recent brics summit which was held in south africa Prime Minister Modi and President Xi had an informal meeting on the sidelines and typically such meetings are say seen as a positive development in the context of bilateral relations but now after that meeting we find that uh, she is skipping the G20 summit and unlike uh, Russian president Putin he didn't do a courtesy phone call either to convey his decision nor did he offer a reason So how do we reconcile these two uh, developments attending BRICS uh, meeting Modi but skipping G20 in Delhi That's right uh, Sampat I think that it is hard to reconcile Xi Jinping attending the BRICS on August 24th and then skipping uh, the G20 in Delhi just a couple of weeks later without looking at a political reason behind it and I think that's very clear Uh, I think that it was also very clear that as you rightly said usually when you have high level direct interaction between leaders uh, it is seen as a positive development but I think it was quite clear in the immediate aftermath of the what was called an informal conversation between Prime Minister Modi and President Xi in South Africa that the relationship really isn't in a very good place just after the meeting both sides put out very different readouts of what they spoke about and even how they spoke and that's usually a bad sign of how a meeting went uh uncharacteristically the chinese put out uh, the detail that it was india that sought the informal conversation again obviously that's something that uh, new delhi wouldn't have liked and usually that's something countries don't say they usually say you know two leaders sat and had a meeting uh, so it's very clear that uh, things didn't go very well and to compound it all 5 days after they met and this is something we'll talk about more china came out uh, with uh, an annual map for 2023 which con- which of course included territories that are part of india uh, so when you look at all of this i think it's very clear that the bilateral relationship between india and china is not in a very good place and i think that certainly it is one factor in Xi Jinping not attending the G20 in Delhi but I also would say Sampath I don't think it's the only factor I think it's also about China's discomfort at the moment with the west and the G20 as a platform uh, on a broader level as well right so two takeaways from what you've just outlined Anand one of course you said uh, it's 
it, it's a reflection of the state of bilateral relations between the two countries. And you also uh, referred to the state of comfort or uh, discomfort that China has with G20 as a forum itself. So, so would it be fair to say that this is a kind of a snub to India as well as to G20, so to speak, by China? I think it is fair to say that. I think it is a snub. But at the same time, I think it's also worth asking who wins and who loses from this snub. If it's China making a point, I think a case could also be made uh, that China loses out by not being part of this meeting. Of course, they are attending with their second-ranked leader, the Premier Li Qiang, uh, who's kind of a protege of Xi Jinping for many years now, attending in the place of Xi. But obviously, Xi Jinping staying away is a big sign. He attended the G20 summit in Indonesia last year. Uh, as you said at the start uh, of our conversation, he's attended every single G20 summit, uh, including in 2021 in Rome. When he wasn't traveling abroad, he participated uh, virtually. So it's the first time that he isn't being present. And I think it's it's quite a statement by China, especially after Xi Jinping played, I think, quite a big role in the BRICS summit in South Africa, where he also was given a state visit, the only BRICS leader to be given a state visit by South Africa. And he also spoke in very positive terms about the future of BRICS, about the expansion, which surprised everyone in terms of bringing in so many six new countries on board. And he was very bullish about multilateral uh, platforms. Uh, so it's, it's striking some, but just after he was waxing a low point about BRICS and, and the world's future and developing countries, reshaping the world order, he sent quite a clear signal in terms of how they look at the G20 at the moment. Right. So, so taking uh, what you said about you know this being in a way a kind of a snub, and also placing that in conjunction with all the statements that have come out of uh, Xi Jinping and China at the BRICS uh, forum, would it make sense to sort of see it as an attempt to downgrade the West-dominated G20 in favor of the global South? Uh, no, I wouldn't say dominated, but which is more prevalent at least in numbers. A BRICS forum, so that BRICS is building up, whereas G20 sort of uh, getting a little bit of a, a demotion in in the Chinese scheme of things as far as diplomatic, you know, fronts are concerned. It will be interesting to see whether you know it happens to be a temporary downgrade uh, because of the fact that India is hosting it, and it's quite clear that China isn't going out of the way to ensure that India is going to have an extremely successful G20. I think that's very clear from what's been taking place at the lower levels, the negotiations between officials. We keep hearing of China being a very difficult negotiator, even on simple elements of a joint statement, which now seems unlikely for the first time in G20 history. So I think that's very clear. They aren't going out of the way to help India host the G20. But I would wait to see, Sampath, because things could change if by next year, when I think Brazil is going to be hosting it, and I think if Xi Jinping is made to feel welcome by Brazil, as South Africa did for BRICS. If they're going to lay out the red carpet, perhaps even accord him a state visit or go the extra mile, I wouldn't rule out him going back to the G20 next year when it's a country that they see as more favorable to China hosting it. So it'll be interesting to see whether this downgrade is temporary or if it's something more long-lasting. I think I wouldn't rule out Xi going back to the G20 when Brazil hosts it. Uh, but I think to your question, it is a downgrade, even if you just look at China's 
participation in recent history, uh, there's a very clear uh, formulation where China uh, head of state, the president, who's also the head of the Communist Party uh, and the military, attends certain forums that China sees as being indispensable, and that is the G20 and APEC. And they kind of depute the head of government or the premier to attend forums that they see as important, but not that not in the same league. And an example of that, some people would be the East Asia Summit, which Premier Li Chiang is attending before coming to Delhi. So him actually attending the G20 is actually something that's out of the ordinary. And that's why some people that I speak to who follow Chinese politics say that it's certainly something that seems to be well thought out, unless, of course, there's something we don't know in terms of something that's going on behind the scenes in terms of health, which is something that could always be a factor. Uh, but uh, giving pushing that to one side, Sampad, I think it's very clear that to me it seems as a as, as a political signal. Right, a political signal. Anand, I want to go back to something you said earlier about uh, whether if if this is indeed a snub, then uh, you said we should also be uh, considering what China stands to lose by missing out on this opportunity. I was just wondering. I mean, I, I would imagine China doesn't really stand to lose anything because. Okay, she's not attending. They have made a symbolic statement. They have sent a political signal. But their premier is attending. Their entire delegation is there. They are going to have their say anyway. So how, how are they losing uh, from whatever way? I'm just trying to understand what you think of that. Yeah, I think that uh, you have a point in that it seems to me that by Xi Jinping not going, they seem to have already given the negotiators a brief. Uh, and what they've done is they've closed the door for a high-level intervention. Um, and in that sense, I think it's obviously not helpful to the, not just India as a host, but to the G20 as a whole. Uh, and of course, they've also, what they've done is possible bilateral meetings that Xi Jinping could have had uh, with other leaders who are going to be present. That's something that's obviously not going to happen. And I think that that would be a missed opportunity for China, given that they've, in the past, in the last 10 years, except for the COVID isolation years, uh, one of the things that the G20 has afforded China is the fact that Xi Jinping has been able to meet one-on-one -on -one with key world leaders, and that's not going to happen. And opportunities for that, Sampath, have become few and far between, given that Xi Jinping has been traveling less and less outside of China. Uh, and many world leaders are, some such as French President Macron, have uh, gone to China. But others want reciprocity in having Xi Jinping visit rather than only, uh, you know, making the sort of pilgrimage to see Xi Jinping in Beijing. Uh, so I think there is that element as well. The fact that uh, China isn't going to be present at a key international forum at a crucial a point of time. And even though they're sending the premier, it's not quite the same thing. Right. A missed opportunity to meet other leaders. Yes, I mean, that is definitely, uh, you have a point there. Now, coming back to the whole uh, map issue, I mean, do, do you think uh, this whole thing may have started with India lodging a protest against this new standard map, quote-unquote, released by China, which showed uh, Aksai Chin and Arunachal as part of Chinese territory? Is that uh, like a trigger for all this uh, decision to stay away? Or how do you see this uh, is this sub-issue in the larger context? I think I have a minority view on this, but I don't see the map as being related at all to the G20 or Xi Jinping's participation. Uh, I think some people in India have seen the map that was issued on August 28th as being aimed at India or at the G20, and I don't think that's the case for several reasons. 
Uh, for one, uh, Sampat, uh, looking at Chinese media reports, uh, it seemed to me that this release of the map, which is actually a, almost an annual affair in China, was something that was organized by the Ministry of Natural Resources. And they've been planning a week-long map publicity campaign across China. And this map was actually released in a, in, in southern Zhejiang province, not even in Beijing, part of this national awareness week. Uh, and, I, and knowing the way things work in China, I think it's highly unlikely that this would have been timed to the G20. And it's also... Secondly, Sampath, of course, in India, we are understandably focused on the territories that China is now claiming. Uh, although previous maps made the same claims, the, the new map made no new claims. But it was also other countries, I mean, those that are claimants to the South China Sea dispute, then Japan. Um, so it isn't something that's we tend to look at everything as being India-centric, but I think the map was something more a result of something that's been happening frequently in China. And I think but isn't uh, this the first time India uh, is protesting? We didn't protest last year or the year before. I think that um, India usually, when India is asked about Chinese maps, I think they do take it up, and I think they have to take it up because even if the same map is issued every year, uh, it's something that India can't ignore because what it is is it's a restating of China's territorial claims, and we should note some that China does the same thing. When India issues a map, even if India's external claims vis-a-vis -vis China haven't changed, Beijing protests it, as it did in 2019, uh, when India issued a new map following the internal reorganization of Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, so this is something that countries have to protest because by not protesting, the other side will say, hey, it means that you're you know, accepting our territorial claims. Uh, but taking a step back, Sampath, I think while this is something that will obviously continue to happen between countries that have unresolved borders, uh, if we ask ourselves if the map controversy hadn't happened, would Xi Jinping have come to the G20? I don't think he would have. I think that it, it speaks more to the broader state of bilateral relations and also to the broader state in which the G20 finds itself uh, you know, with divisions over Ukraine and I think China's displeasure, which they keep saying over the fact that what they look at as an economic forum is now taking on, you know, stands on political issues, which is something they are grieved about. And I think it seems to me they've taken a stand that they don't want this G20 summit to come out with a unified joint statement, uh, which seems to be the case. Uh, and which also, I think, explains why they don't seem to be very invested in it. Right, but wouldn't they be on the same page as India in this regard? Like, let's not politicize it. Let's not talk about Ukraine. Let's keep it as an economic forum. Don't doesn't India also want something similar? But I think uh, India obviously finds itself in a more complicated situation as a host, and of course, uh, the host Sampath always is in a situation where they're trying to bring everyone on board. Uh, in a sense, it goes beyond India's own bilateral or India's own. Uh, you know, specific position that it's articulated on Ukraine for some time now. And it's quite slightly different from, from China's position, uh, given that China has been very critical of the role of the West in fomenting the crisis, which India hasn't. And I think India is in a unique uh, position as the host where it's trying to bring everyone on board. And obviously, that's a concern that the Chinese don't have because, uh, as I said, they aren't really invested in having a successful G20 in 2023. 
Right. Being the host does uh, put the country which is hosting in a different uh, kind of a predicament. Now, moving on to, I mean, we have spoken at length about the Chinese, uh, what what's going on from the Chinese side, the thinking behind them, what they're signaling. I was just wondering uh, what you make of the impact from the G20 side of uh, things, you know. For instance, our external affairs minister, Jay Shankar, has said that uh, with regard to Xi's absence, he has said that these kinds of absence are not unusual at all. But he also says G20 is the foremost international forum. So, uh, some a high-profile forum, but a high-profile leader is skipping that forum. They don't seem to sort of uh, go together. So, is G20 the highest international premier forum, as Jai Shankar says? Would you agree with that? And if yes, like how do you then... Uh, account for the fact that he says it's not unusual. I think he has a point in so much as actually, you know, it's, it's funny that every country actually officially states this, the G20 being the premier international forum uh, to deal especially with economic issues is the exact sort of formulation you've been here from the Chinese. Although, as you said, it's uh, it's incongruous that their leader doesn't attend it. Um, so I think that uh, he has a point in so much as you do have dropouts every summit for various reasons, and often it's due to domestic political issues in various countries. I think that uh, the Ministry of External Affairs actually, uh, you know, put together uh, a list, I think, that was circulated to reporters of previous summits and who attended and who didn't. And I think it is quite commonplace. But having said that, I think if we ask ourselves, would India have imagined having a G20 summit without Russia and China present? I think the answer would have been no. And there's no doubt that not having them present, regardless of India's own bilateral issues with China, uh, I think that obviously does give the summit a very different color when you don't have Russia and China present. There's no getting away from that, even though I would expect, Sampad, that that's something that Delhi is certainly going to play down. Uh, And I think that they will point to broader issues that the G20 will deal with. And I think that if they they will be looking to highlight what they can achieve at the summit on issues, whether it's climate financing or whether it's debt-related issues, uh, I think that they're going to be playing down the fact that you have three leaders absent, which is, of course, China, Russia, and Mexico as well. Right. So China and Russia, both uh, their heads of state would be missing. So do you think, uh, I mean, okay, it's not unusual uh, for heads of state to miss even the premier international forum. But uh, in India would, as you said, play down Xi's absence. But would, but overall, considering who else is going to be there and the fact that India is hosting it, do you think Xi's absence would cast any kind of a shadow in the summit? I don't think so. When you come to the situation of having all of the other leaders present in New Delhi, September 8th onwards, and especially, I think the real questions are more important than who is present actually in Delhi and who isn't is finally what this summit comes out with. And that's what we're going to be keeping an eye on um, when this, when actually you have everyone present signing off on the joint statement and whether you get a joint statement or not whether there is progress on important issues like climate financing, uh, on many issues that the global south and developing countries are concerned about. Is there going to be headway on any of these issues? I think that's going to be the ultimate test of the success of the G20 beyond who is actually present in terms of leaders. Uh, And I think that 
so I would say that Xi Jinping being absent doesn't really cast a shadow on it, uh, even if I think that it does have an impact on the outcomes, uh, only because of the fact that in past summits, having high leaders present usually gives you a little bit of scope for a high-level intervention, a high-level last-minute intervention to forge a consensus. And when the leader decides to not be present and sends a deputy, it seems to be, at least from the outside, that they've already taken a stand. So the actual space for real negotiations at the last minute uh, has diminished by his absence, and and that might or might not have a, a bearing on the final consensus that we get. Right, that's very well uh, put indeed, Ananta. I appreciate that. One final question um, before we uh, wrap up. So uh, you spoke earlier about how Ch- the Chinese have been really tough negotiators when it comes to uh, the declaration or joint statement on about from the summit. So some thoughts from you on on what these differences between China and India have been on the wording, on the text of the declaration. We've heard some reports about their objections to even something as innocuous as Vasudeva, Kutumbakam, etc. So I just, I just wanted to know what you have to say uh, on this question. It's been interesting, Sampa, to see these reports that have come out. And uh, the Hindu has also been reporting on some of the Chinese objections, uh, including uh, to this phrase, which is quite striking in terms of, I mean, they haven't really explained why. Uh, but it's also interesting that both India and China have officially not said a word uh, publicly. Uh, either confirming or denying what's been happening behind closed doors among the negotiators. So this is stuff that's coming out from sources present at the meetings. And um, I think that what's clear is that I think that India has found China to be probably one of the most, I would say, to put it diplomatically, unhelpful uh, sort of parties in this big effort to forge a consensus among countries that have very different objectives, very different agendas. And I think that they found that it's not only about, you know, the the objections that they face from China extend to many different issues. Uh, And even on Ukraine, for that matter, I think that uh, on some instances, China's objections to reference to Ukraine have been even more vociferous than Russia's. Um, And whether or not this is a Chinese negotiating strategy to dilute whatever the summit's going to be about or not. I think a lot of this, the other problem in reporting out all of this, Sampath, is this happens behind closed doors. Media doesn't have access to this. We get this from negotiators from different countries who kind of like Rashomon might have different versions of what happens in the same meeting. Uh, And of course, you have governments saying absolutely nothing publicly, which doesn't help us make sense of all of this, of course. Right. Not uh, easy to make sense of uh, all that goes on uh, behind uh, closed doors. And uh, from from what you've been saying, I think it's fairly clear, nonetheless, that Xi's absence is a political uh, signal of sorts, uh, both uh, to India and also uh, in terms of its understanding or if it's the significance it attaches to G20. At least this edition, uh, we would know much better by the time the next edition comes, uh, rolls in in Brazil and see what kind of an approach China takes to that uh, edition of the G20 summit. Thank you so much, Anand, for joining us and for sharing your, uh, as ever, insightful observations on this really interesting uh, development. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sanford. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. Thank you.
In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.